0: Welcome to this message from Eastwood Baptist Church, one church with two locations in Bowling Green and Alberton, Kentucky. To learn more, visit eastwoodbc.org. Now, may the Lord bless you in the hearing of His Holy Word. Amen. As you grab your seat, grab your copy of God's Word, and go with me to Philippians chapter 3. Now, I know, how how long has school been out so far? Like a week? Is that about right? Enough time to forget everything? (laughs) Right? No, of course not. I need some help from my Warren County School kids this morning to help me out for just a second. As I was preparing to preach this week, the text, as I was studying it, one of Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, it came to mind. It's the second habit. Can you all remember what that habit is? Begin with? Yeah, there we go. Begin with the end in mind. In other words, determine what the goal is first. Right? That's really, really a smart thing to do because you have to know where the end goal is. What the end goal is before you can ever determine and ever know how to get there. And so our text today is Philippians chapter 3 verse 17 through Philippians chapter 4 verse And today we're going to begin with the end in mind by going to uh, chapter 4, verse 1. So we're going to go to the last verse because that's where we find the goal of our text today. Look at it with me and we'll stand to read the whole passage in just a moment. But look right there at verse 1. Philippians 4, verse 1 says, Therefore my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm Thus in the Lord, my beloved. You see, right there in the middle of that commandment, and that text is the commandment, the, the, the goal for you and me as Christians that God, through Paul, wants you and me to adopt. Stand firm in the Lord. That almost has like a military ring to it, doesn't it? Right? Hold the line, hold your ground, hold your position in the midst of the attack. Stand firm in the lord now if you've been a christian for very long at all you know what it means to be tempted away from christ i don't need amens i know i know you and you know me right you know what it is to be enticed away to be drawn away from following jesus to do something else to follow something else to have something else Those are those internal, inside attacks that you and I have on our Christianity all the time. We feel them every day, and we must stand firm against them. But there's also external attacks, right? Attacks that are outside of us. We we regularly face these. We don't necessarily, here in America, and particularly in Bowling Green, we don't necessarily face what we would call persecution. Persecution. But we nevertheless, we, we know what it's like to be ridiculed directly. Somebody in our face telling us maybe that, that we're stupid or that our idea is dumb or that this Jesus stuff is a myth. How could you believe that? Or maybe it's more indirectly just about the growing godless culture that's around us, right? When we stand for Jesus and we stand with Jesus, we must, hear me Eastwood, stand firm in the face of opposition. We've seen supposed Christians cave into that temptation, haven't we? We've seen them cave to the pressure. We've seen them turn away from following Christ. And Paul knows that you and I could be next. You and I could be next if we don't do something to guard against that. And So Paul emphatically speaks into your life and into my life and says, stand Firm in the Lord. Don't be moved. Continue in the faith. And beloved, you have to understand that what Paul is saying here in this text, is of, it's just of utmost importance because Jesus warns us in Matthew 24, verse 4. He says, See that no one leads you astray. And the devil is sending influences into your life all the time that's trying to lead you astray. And your own flesh and sin every day are trying to lead you astray. That's why we've got to stand firm, okay? In other words, see that no one leads you from standing firm in Christ. Why, Jesus? I mean, why is this a big deal? And Jesus gives us the answer. Matthew 24, verse 13, right after that, where he's just warned us. He says this, but the one who endures to the end will Be saved. That's why you and I must stand firm in the Lord. It's the one who stands firm in the Lord to the end, who endures to the end that will be saved. So you see why it's so important that you and I stand firm. This has eternal implications. And so we're beginning with the end in mind here, right? Stand firm. That's the goal of our text. And so the verses leading up to that goal. They tell you and me how, at least one of of the strategic ways for how. How do we stand firm in the Lord? So let's take a look. I'm going to invite you to stand to honor the reading of the Word of God this morning. As you stand, let me remind you that what we're about to read is breathed out by God. And it's effective. It's effective to make you complete and equipped for every. Good work. Philippians chapter 3, beginning in the 17th verse. The Word of God says this. It says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I've often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame. Father, in the name of Jesus, this text here has so much for us, for everyday life. And so help us today to understand it, to love it, and then apply it into our lives. If there's anybody here under the sound of my voice this morning who has yet to turn and trust in Christ, may they see the gathered testimony of this congregation here, who said that Christ is worthy of our lives. And may they feel the calling, hear the calling of the Holy Spirit to salvation today. And may they be saved, may they turn and trust in Christ. Father, we thank you for the help, standing firm. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said. Amen, amen, go ahead and grab that seat there. So our goal is to stand firm in the Lord, but how are we to do that? Here's today's truth that I want you to grasp this morning and hold on to, and here it is, it's this, who you watch and imitate will influence how firm you stand in Jesus. Let me say it again. Who you watch and imitate will influence how firm you stand in Jesus. In other words, if you want to stand firm in Jesus, then you should watch and imitate those who stand firm in Jesus. Be careful then who you watch and who you, Im- who you imitate because you're going to become like them. I was talking to Pastor Ed, Ed is our educational pastor here at Eastwood, and I was talking to him about the text this, this week, and, and he told me, you know what, I know from experience that what you're saying there is true, what the scripture is saying is true. He said There's a time back in his college days, back when he was playing baseball, that he was struggling with his grades. He, he wasn't making the cut, so to speak, in the, in the classroom, he was doing great on the field, but in the classroom he was struggling, and one of his mentors told him, he said, Ed, you will become who you hang out with. That's what his mentor told him. And he said, that kind of stuck with him. And he took it to heart, and so he decided to give it a try, to put it to the test. And so he wanted to make better grades. He wanted to be smarter. And so he decided to hang out with the three smartest guys on the baseball team. All right? He wanted to get with the academic All-Americans on the baseball team. And that's what he did. And as he began to hang out with them, guess where they took him? To the library. (laughs) That's where smart people go in college, right? So they took him to the library. He began to imitate them, he began to do what they did. And before the semester was over, Ed's grades, man, (laughs) they improved tremendously. And so that's just a good testimony right there of of the truth here that you will become like whom you hang out with. Or I'm saying a very similar thing here this morning is that who you watch and who you imitate will influence how firm you stand in Jesus. So I say to you, church, this morning, choose wisely your friends. Choose wisely your heroes. So to help you to, to do that this morning, I've taken the teaching of this text and I've turned it into six questions to help you and to help me. Make wise decisions about whom you should watch and imitate. Because again, who you watch and imitate will influence how firm you stand in Jesus. So the first question that our text sort of brings out is, what is their foundation? What is their foundation? Keep, uh, a Paul begins here by saying in Philippians 3.17, He says, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Now, as you see that and read that, you might be tempted to think that Paul's just on an ego trip. Man, can you believe the hubris of this dude telling us to imitate him? I mean, I would never say something like that. He must really think a lot of himself, right? Look at me. Look at me. Follow me. He's not some egomaniac here. No, no, no. He's representative church of something much greater than himself. And what is that thing that's much greater than himself? That is the apostolic teaching itself, right? The, The foundation of apostolic teaching. See, Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ. That means that he was part of the group chosen by God to establish the church here on earth. So Paul, was a found, he, he was a founder of the church along with Peter and John and, and the other apostles. Yeah, he came later on, so to speak. But nevertheless, he was right there. Jesus himself, the risen, resurrected Jesus himself, appeared to Paul and gave him the commission that he lived out his whole life. And so Paul here represents the entire apostolic teaching, the foundation that we know as the New Testament. This is Ephesians 2. 19 and 20. It explains it this way for us. Talking about you and me. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but your fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of whom, church? Oh, man, I've been gone a month, ain't I? (laughs) Y'all got to talk back with me here. Built on the foundation of whom? The apostles And the prophets and Christ Jesus is the chief cornerstone. That's what he says here, right? The prophets represent the Old Testament part of the foundation. And the apostles represent the New Testament part of the foundation. Of course, Jesus is that chief cornerstone of the entire foundation. But this foundation, the Old, the New Testament. In other words, the Bible in totality is is critical, right, for a life that stands firm for Jesus. You can't stand firm for Jesus if you don't have a strong foundation. And there is no stronger foundation for your life than the Word of God. It is the same, just like God, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Listen, Today, people want to take this and they want to pick and choose. They want to to highlight this and tear that out and throw this out and reinterpret this and all that. And they want to make a Bible that they are the author of. But God is the author, author of this Bible from cover to cover. And there is no stronger, no sure, no firmer foundation than the Scripture. So maybe a more straightforward way of asking this question is, Not what is their foundation, but ask it this way. Is the Bible their foundation? Now, we're talking about who you imitate, who you watch, who you fix your eyes on. But you know what, guys? This goes for a lot of things. This goes across the board for relationships. This goes for the person that you're going to marry. These are great questions to ask about the person that you're going to marry. These are great questions for people that you have to go into business with these are great questions for people that you're going to bring into your home and really get close to your family and, and get to know them in those ways. Is the Bible their foundation? Is the Bible their authority? Is it their source for truth? Is it their manual for how, how, they, how, how they believe and, and how they live? There are all sorts of foundations that people build their life on, their understanding, their worldview on. Some build it on psychology. Some build it on humanism. Some build it on popular culture. Some build them on false religions. Again, there are all sorts of foundations that one could build your life on. But, beloved, there's only one foundation that will help you stand firm in Jesus, and that's the Bible. So I encourage you watch and imitate only those who have the Bible as their foundation the second question you should ask is this what is their relationship to the cross as you're thinking is this person worthy of fixing my eyes on them is this person worthy of my imitation of them and before you can ever answer that we have to ask this what is their relationship to the cross man they may be intelligent or seem intelligent They may be really charismatic. They may have this amazing gift of singing or or this gift of acting or they may have this outstanding athletic ability, this, this talent. Those are usually the folks that are our heroes, aren't they? But that's not most important. As I think about the world we live in, the culture that we live in, I'm amazed at how much authority for truth that we give to people who can dunk a basketball or who can hit the high notes or who can bend those strings and touch our hearts or or who have a Ph.D. behind their name. Those things are all well and good, but more importantly than all of those things, those abilities, is what is their relationship to the cross? You see, Paul tells us clearly here, Philippians 3.18. There are many of whom I've already told you, he says, and now I'll tell you, even with tears, these many folks, they walk as enemies of the cross, uh, of, the cross of Christ. You see, there, there, there are people who you and I are drawn to. And we want to imitate, we want to be like them, but they walk as enemies of the cross. Now, it might not be right out in the forefront, but nevertheless, in their life, as you dig into their life and you get past the surface of celebrity, you see that their life is in opposition to the cross. They are enemies of the cross. In fact, I would dare say that the majority of the folks that you and I pay big money to go see, and I'm just talking about going to the movies, that's big money, right? Oh my goodness, have you taken your family to the movies lately? Okay, the people that we pay big money to go see, probably the majority of them hate Jesus. They mock our faith, they mock the author of our faith, Jesus Christ, and so I say to you, if you want to stand firm for Jesus, why would you ever fix your eyes on them? Why would you watch them? Why would you imitate them? But I'm not just talking about celebrities. I'm talking about classmates. I'm talking about people at work. What is their relationship to the cross? Have they denied themselves taken up the cross and followed Jesus? Now, I want to be clear. I don't want to be misunderstood here. Because I'm not not saying to you that you should not have friends that aren't Christians, right? Here at Eastwood, our mission is to develop relationships to impact people with biblical answers to life's challenges. And one of our measures is, do you or are you friends? Am I friends with someone far from God? And every one of us should have friends, who are far from God. So I'm not talking about do you have friends that don't follow Jesus. You should. Every one of us should. Here's what I'm talking about. Are you being careful to influence them more than they influence you? But listen, I've been there, man. I have been there where I have chosen some friends that, that I thought I could influence more than Jesus. Or actually, I could influence them for Jesus more then they could influence me away from Jesus, let me say it that way only to find out that was not the case in the spring of 1999 I decided to rush the Phi Delta Theta fraternity there at Hanover College and man, lots of my football buddies were in that fraternity and I knew going in, I had been there before I rushed that fraternity that there there was some good stuff going on there, don't get me wrong but there was a lot of ungodly stuff going on there as well A lot of things that did not honor God, that were not in keeping with the cross of Christ. But I believed that I could have more influence over them than they could have over me. And a few weeks into it, I found out that I was a failure in that regard. I was a complete failure in that regard. I was quickly drawn into doing things and and supporting things that didn't honor God. And Christy, my wife, she was then my girlfriend, helped me to see that. And after a couple months, into my pledge, I I decided to get out, right? So should we have non-Christians, non-Christian friends? Absolutely. But you and I have to be careful that we are the influencer instead of them. Otherwise, they will drag you down so that you no longer follow Christ, so that you no longer stand firm. I'm saying be wise be careful. Third, if you're going to choose wisely who to watch and imitate, you should ask this question. What is the trajectory of their life, or where is the trajectory of their life taking them? In other words, if, they're, if they continue as they are right now, where will this person, where will these people end up when they die? Now, Paul points out Philippians 3.19 that those who are vying for our eyes and our imitation, some of those folks have the end of where? Destruction, it says. You see there in verse 19, their end is destruction. The trajectory of their life is doom, ultimately, right? Their ultimate destiny is doom. So I say to you, why in the world would you follow somebody to doom? And destruction, man. No, thank you. I I want to follow somebody to goodness and blessing, don't you? Right? uh, That's who I want to follow. Then we need to watch and imitate those whose lives are on the trajectory that's taking them to blessing and goodness. Scripture's clear. There are only two options when we think about destinies, ultimate destinies. There is either heaven or there is hell. And who, church, is the dividing line between heaven and hell? What's his name? Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. So that means, as you think about this, when you think about people and their trajectory on life, that means, I beg you this morning, church, that you follow people who follow Jesus. Right? I want you to follow Jesus, and then I want you to follow people who follow Jesus. You see, that's what Paul means when he says, imitate me. He said it more explicitly in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1 where he says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. In other words, follow me as I follow Jesus. That's the type of person that you want to imitate. That's the type of person you want to live your life after. Imitate the one who's following Jesus, because the trajectory of their life is taking them to heaven. Fourth this morning, as you think about this, the fourth question you should ask is, who is their God? These are all important questions. Who is their God? Who's their master? Whom do they obey? Paul points out here uh, in, in Philippians 1.19 again, that many of the folks that, that, that people try to imitate are ruled by their bellies. They are ruled by their bellies in Philippians 319 I should have said in Philippians 319 they are ruled by their bellies he says their God is their belly in other words their God is their appetites now that's not just talking about hunger I know lunch is coming soon so you already feel that appetite of hunger and we've all been mastered over from time to time by our bellies right I gotta eat I gotta eat now come on you know when he says that their God is their bellies, he's talking about all human appetites, food, sex, money, alcohol, drugs, prestige, wanting to be liked. <laughs> That's an appetite that we have and so on and so on, right? These, these things are not necessarily bad. I mean, even drugs, Dr. Harston, Dr. Bergamini, every day they, 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 they prescribe drugs, To help cure us, right? So just drugs in general is not a bad thing. But when these things become our master, our driving force, the thing for which we live, they become wicked when they usurp the place of God on the pedestal of our hearts, right? They become wicked then. And so the apostle John says to us, 1 John 2, 15 through 17, he says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not any for all that's in the world. The desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. And whoever does the will of God abides forever. That last phrase there is what you and I should latch on to. Who is their God? And it says here in verse 17 there of of 1 John chapter 2, whoever does the will of God abides forever. I say to you, church, that's the person that you need to watch. That's the person that you need to imitate. The one who does the will of God, the one who obeys God, the one whose God is God. Fifth, you should ask this. What do they boast in? As you're trying to determine wisely, who should you watch and who should you imitate? You should ask yourself, what do they boast in? You don't have to do much research at all today to realize that we have a mixed up, messed up world that you and I live in, right? Things that should cause people great shame, they don't even blink at in 2019, It's amazing, right? We are increasingly becoming a shameless society. And Paul points out that reality here again in verse 19. When he says that there will be people saying, look at me, look at me, follow me. But they're, look at the verse, they glory in their shame. That means that they're proud of their sin. They wear their their sin, their shame like a crown of victory or like a a badge of honor. And this of course is just emblematic of that debased mind. right? When you are not ashamed, when you should be ashamed, that's a debased mind. That's described in Romans chapter 1. It says this in Romans 1, 26 through 32. It says, for this reason, they basically denied God. They, they, they worship false idols, human beings, that is. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for, uh, for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men. And receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God. Listen to this. God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Beloved, there are things that ought not to be done. Amen? They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful. Inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Beloved, does that not describe today's culture? Well, we have a culture that's increasingly proud of lifestyles and of actions that God has declared to be. Sinful. And I ask you this morning, is that the type of person, the type of people that you want to pattern your life after? Those who are proud of their sins, I say to you, may it never be. We shouldn't follow those who boast in our sin. And we shouldn't fix our eyes or imitate those. Then, So who then should we? And the only answer is those who boast in sin jesus that's who we boast in first corinthians chapter 1 verse 31 says let him who boasts boast in whom the lord right he's our boast right jesus is the one right he's the one that made you he's the one that sustains you he saved you he will rescue in fact look here in our text philippians 3 20 and 21. look at paul here boast on jesus for a moment boast in jesus He says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Paul says, don't boast in anything else because no one compares to Jesus. That's the type of person... The one that boasts in Jesus that you want to fix your eyes on and imitate. Finally this morning, who to watch, who to imitate so that you'll stand firm in Jesus? You need to ask this final question. Where is their mind focused? Again, verse 19. Paul says that there are those vying for your heart and for your mind With minds set on earthly things. They are consumed by the things of this world. They are fixated on that which is temporal. That which is trivial. They are focused on things that are below. Not on things above. Thinking about today. And not thinking about eternity. That's not the person to watch or imitate. No, no, no. You see, we've been called to a higher focus. God says in Colossians 3, verses 1 through 3, he says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you've died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's the man, that's the woman, that's the person I want to be like. Who has set their minds on things that are above. Beloved, with all my heart, I want to be found standing firm in Jesus. And I want the same thing for you. Just at Paul, notice here, let's go back to verse 1, chapter 4, verse 1. I want you to see the love that is connected to this plea here. For you to stand firm in Jesus. Notice the the language that he uses here. Therefore, my brothers. My brothers. The family of God. We are brothers. We are sisters, right? There's that love. Whom I love. He he clearly says that and long for. And he says, my joy and my crown. That's what you are as Paul is speaking to you apostolically here, we are his joy and his crown. He says, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. The love of God calls you to stand firm in Jesus. So what does that mean for you and me this morning then? That means that some of us here need to reorient our eyes. You're already a follower of Jesus, but more often than not, maybe, or, or, or just more than you would like, you find your eyes not focused on Christ or those who follow Christ closely, but on the other things, the, the people that we kind of question down through here, that sort of folks. You need to reorient your eyes, reorient your life to fix your eyes on those who will help you stand firm. And let me say, they're right here in this congregation. That's why God has brought us together. That's why the, 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 the coming together of the church is such a vital aspect. That's why we don't forsake the assembling together, even as the, especially as the end draws near, as the age draws to the end. That's right here. You need to reorient your life. Fix your eyes on people that love the Lord and are following the Lord and stand firmly for Jesus. And that will help you to stand firm. But then there's others of you here this morning who need for the first time, the first time to stand for Jesus. You see, you can't stand Firm yet because you haven't stood for Jesus yet. In other words, I'm calling you this morning to turn from your sin and trust Christ as your Savior and Lord. I'm calling you to stand for Jesus in faith and hope and love. And let me say this to you when you do stand for Jesus, man, He will save you to the nth de- degree to the nth degree and when you do when you are gloriously saved then you can sing with the rest of the saints I shall not be I shall not be moved I shall not be I shall not be moved just like a tree that's planted by the waters I shall not May you stand firm for Jesus, church. Here's my final prayer. May you stand firm in Jesus by fixing your eyes on godly examples. Hi there, this is Pastor Ben. I have something really important to ask you, but first, I want to say thank you for taking the time to make this digital connection with us through our podcast. I hope the message you just listened to was a blessing, but an even greater blessing than this digital connection would be for you to connect with us in person this coming Sunday at one of Eastwood's two campuses where we get the joy of living life together in Jesus' name. And now for that really important question, which is the most important question you'll ever answer. Where do you stand before God? Now, based on what you've done, the straightforward answer is that you stand guilty and condemned before God. You are a sinner who completely deserves God's wrath forevermore in hell. And I deserve the same thing also. I mean, every person does. Guys, that's terrible news. And even worse is the fact that there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to change that. You need a Savior. But I have good news. God loved the world so much that He sent Jesus to be your Savior. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that you cannot live and He stood condemned on the cross dying the death you deserve. And three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead to prove to everybody that He is indeed the Savior of the world. And now Jesus is longs to change your standing before God by making a trade with you. He desires to take what you've earned, which is the wrath of God in hell, and to give you in return what He has earned, which is the blessing of God in heaven. When this trade happens, instead of standing guilty and condemned before God, you will stand forgiven and righteous with the promise of everlasting life. So what must you do to have your standing before God changed? First, Admit to God you are a sinner. Second, hate your sins. Turn from them and ask God to forgive you. And finally, turn to Jesus in faith and love, putting your complete hope in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and follow him until the day you die. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, Jesus is ready to make this trade with you. And I pray that you would trust in Jesus and be saved. Thank you again for connecting with us. And I hope to see you soon at Eastwood Baptist Church.